Okay. I want to welcome everybody. I know I said that earlier, but I want to welcome everybody. You know, it just seems like it's hard to get things moving forward in um, in some areas. But you know something? I I just think that we just got to keep pushing. We just got to keep pushing. I think, you know, you know that commercial that says, and the older I get, the more I realize it's true, that a body stays in motion, you know, in motion stays in motion. I think that's true of everything. Once something loses momentum, it is very, very difficult to get it moving again. But let me tell you something. God is on the move. God is on the move and God is moving forward. He's not looking to figure out a way how to uh, just kind of do what he does uh, in a static way. Well, we'll just do it all right here. There's places that God wants us to move forward in. And, you know, we're talking this month, uh, I'm just, I started a couple of weeks ago just talking about the vision of this church. And, you know, the vision of this church really is wrapped around one word. Uh, I feel like the Lord gave me this word about 15 years ago. And that word is life-giving, that he wants everything that we do and everything that we are a part of to be life-giving, not life-taking, not (laughs) life-sucking. It's life-giving. And, you know, the thing is, is there's things that, you know, even for me personally, this past week, I, um, early in the week, actually, um, I just, I I just began to kind of evaluate my life and evaluate things going on in my life. And there were certain things that it's like people could say, well, what's wrong with that? Nothing wrong with certain things, but it was just sucking the life out of me. It was taking my time and taking my thoughts and taking my, uh, just taking things from me. And I just don't really want to be giving my time. And I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about stuff. I'm talking about, you know, things that are, are just time consumers, time consumers. And so, you know, for me personally, that probably is just a process that I'm going through for what's happening in my life. Now, today, I want to talk to you about what it means to be generous, because I believe that generosity is a part of the life-giving, of being life-giving in God's plan. God wants us to be generous. And see, when we say generous, I think a lot of people go, well, he's going to talk about giving. Why not? We all give. Man, you give money to, to and, and, and things, it's not just about money, but we give money to everything that we find valuable. We give, I guarantee you, you either give money to APS or you live in the dark. You give money to get water brought into your house or you have a well, you're running out to get water in a bucket. And so, you know, and I'm not just going to talk just about that, but I want us to, to stop and to consider uh, a few things about generosity, about how to become excited about giving, excited, extravagant, about being an extravagant giver. I want to be, you know, when I, when I run into situations, when I run into uh, people or situations, and sometimes I, I used to get irritated when I, because every time you'd go in certain doors and certain places, there'd be somebody there asking if you could, hey, would you like to donate? Would you like to buy cookies? Because we're doing this. And I get irritated. Why? Because two reasons. Because number one, I didn't want their cookies because the fact is I don't need their cookies. You know, I don't need them. I like them. They're good cookies. And I'm not knocking any of that. I'm not, but I'm just saying, but there's something inside that, you know, because you know what I have learned to do? I've learned to buy the cookies and give them away. 
I don't have to eat them, but I want to be a part of the process as best I can of being generous, of being generous. And so uh, generosity is one of the fundamental messages that God has taught to the church in general, and especially to this church, because I've been here, golly, I've been here for a long time, 1974. It's when I started, I became a part of this church. Generosity is not something that is foreign to this church. It's a part of who we are. It's a part of our DNA because it is a part of being life-giving. And, and, and the fact of moving from selfishness to a life of generosity, it transforms everything in our life. When we go from being, from being selfish, or when I say selfish, see, I would never have probably considered myself as being selfish until I felt God nudging me to say, I want you to help in that particular thing, whatever it was. Like, no, I don't want to do that. Well, why not? That's why I feel like the Lord would say, why not? Because I don't want to. Well, the truth of the matter is, is, you know, if, if I can move from that place of being selfish and keeping it all for me, and I don't deem that to be a worthy thing that I want to give my money to, whatever it is, whether it be the bell ringers at Christmas, whether it be a need that comes my way, whether it be something that God points out to me, and he does all of us. He points out things to all of us. But some of us, you know what we do? I saw a fellow the other day, just I was driving, I was coming on my way home. I don't know where I was, doesn't matter, but I was driving my way home. And I felt like the Lord pointed something out to me. It was right there, and so I just kept going straight ahead. Didn't even want to look at it. You know why? Because I felt in my heart, if I look too long, I'm going to find some conviction. I'm going to find something pulling at my heart even more. We all do it. Every one of us do it. And I'm not saying that we need to just be an open window that we just pour into everything and anything. But I believe when God speaks to us, I believe there's something in it that helps us to grow. And see, I know sometimes people go, well, you know, if I, if I give every, if I start just being generous as everything comes down the pike, I won't have anything for me, for myself. And the truth is that's not really accurate. Because as we give, as we become generous in the way we live, you know what? God pours it back. He pours it back into our life. He pours it back. And for those of you that are sitting here that have experienced that, you can say, amen. But for those of you that are saying, well, I've not experienced that, then you have something that you are get ready to receive something from God. But you know, God's not looking. I remember Wayne, Wayne Myers made this comment, an old uh, preacher years ago who was here at the church. He said, God's not trying to get something from you. He's trying to get something to you. But sometimes we have to be willing to give up to be able to receive. And if we won't give up, it's like a dog. You know, dog is not going to let go of that bone. Well, I want to give you something with some meat on it. He ain't going to let go of that bone. God wants to give us something more than we have. Generosity uh, doesn't just bless those around us. It blesses us. It comes back to us. And so I want us to look this morning at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Let me just read this verse. And we'll probably kind of stick around this verse most of the morning uh, the scripture says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever whoever sows generously will also reap generously, which uh, each of you should give whatever 
you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Let, let me just uh, mention a couple of things here. Uh, the issue of giving and with Christians. The issue of giving, it's probably one of the most difficult issues. It's probably one of the most tormenting issues that Christians deal with. Because we know God. We know what God, who God, what God is like. We know. But, and the thing is, I don't think it's that people don't want to give. It's because they do want to give, but because there's such a conflict between the desire of the heart. Who doesn't want to help the needy? Who doesn't? Everybody wants to help people in need. But it's a conflict between what's going on in our heart and our head's understanding. It's what I feel in my heart, what I'm sensing, what I believe God is speaking to my heart, but my, my head's going, well, it'd be nice if you could do that, but you can't because you know, and then cha-ching, cha-ching, the numbers start coming out, and you, know, you got this bill, and you got this thing coming up, and if you give it away, you won't have enough for that. It's, it's a conflict between your heart and your head. That's where the problem is. And so uh, let me just kind of hit real quick four, four thoughts or four levels or responses maybe uh, of giving. And I tell you what, I can relate to all of these because I remember when I first got saved. Listen, I, I wasn't raised in a rich household. I wasn't raised in a, uh, you know, I never, we never owned a house until I got married and I was determined, but that was after I got saved. I was determined that I'm going to buy my house. I'm going to, I'm going to own, I'm going to prosper. But before that, when I got saved, I was, I was living with my mom. I was living in an environment where my mom was a good provider. She did everything she could. I mean, she probably never made more than, you know, whatever. I think maybe eight or ten thousand dollars a year total, raising two boys and myself, myself and my brother. So, and I'm not saying we were poor because I've had people say, well, you guys were poor. We weren't poor. We just lived on what we had. But we didn't have enough to help anybody else. So these are responses that I, I'm familiar with, and maybe you. Uh, when, when somebody talks about giving, there's the, the response of shock and disgust. You've got to be kidding me. You're asking me to give? Do you know what my finances look like? Do you, if you only knew, I don't have money to give. So there's that shock and disgust place. Or maybe the second one could be grudging obligation or minimal level. All right, fine, but how much? Oh, what? Give me that nickel back. I'm just saying. And I'm not criticizing any of these because I've lived through them all. I've lived through them all. Or maybe the next level, and I'm maybe moving up the, the spectrum, would be committed giving and, and at a level of obedience to God. Well, God says he wants 10%, so... Uh, can can I get uh, can I get some change? I've seen people do this, and it's all good. Can I get some change out of the offer? I get it. It's all good. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's like I only want to do what I have to do. I don't want to go above and beyond. I think those are places that we grow to and grow through. But I've been there too. But I believe God wants us to come to the point where we are extravagant. Extravagant. Why? Because I know God holds the purse strings. God holds uh, the, the keys of, of, of the windows of heaven. He can pour out anything, anytime he wants. But you know what? We're the ones that are the factors. And see, if you're sitting here this morning and you're in the shock and disgust place, 
I love you. I'm not mad at you. I'm just saying, let me try and build some faith by, by looking at the word and, and talking a little bit and sharing a little bit, trying to preach to you a little bit about where God wants us to be. He wants us to be at that level that we can become a conduit. He, he can flow through us with what he wants, with whatever he wants to flow through us. Don't think that where I'm at's where it has to be because listen, my family's, my family, we were always living at this level and I don't have a job that can, and listen, my income and I have so many bills that fast. If we will move forward with God that fast, things can begin to change that fast. You might go, oh, let's do it today. It's not about me speaking the magical words and putting the fairy dust on you. It's about us taking the scriptures, taking the word and letting it get inside of our heart and let it change the way we think in our heart, not in our head. Because your head may never stop thinking the way it does. But what did that verse that we just read say? It says, each one should give what you've decided in your heart. The problem is, is a lot of us, we let our head talk out, us out of what our heart has told us. Right now, some of us, our heart is telling us God is faithful. God can make a way where there appears to be no way. I know. But then we go this 18 inches or whatever the distance is to the brain. Our brain is going, but that's absolutely impossible. You know that? Because, listen, money doesn't grow on trees. And money is just not that. Our heart. Let each one of us, as we have decided in our heart. And so the thing is, you know, we may not be able to go to the nth degree of being the giver that we want to be in a second. But you know what? It's a step. I remember years ago hearing, oh, golly, it was, uh, it might have been Dave Ramsey, I don't remember, but it was one of the guys teaching on giving. And he was basically talking about, you know what? If you can't, if you can't give, start with the percentage. Because see, here's the thing. A tithe is not 3%. A tithe is 10%. If you can look it up. You can look it up in the dictionary. Tithe means a tenth. If you, if you give me a dollar, a dime belongs to God. If I want to just live at the, at the level of just giving what God is God's. So the thing is, is if I can't do that, then you know what? Maybe I need to start off with maybe 2% or 3%. And then I begin to work forward into it. Now, why am I preaching this? This is one of the most generous churches, and I mean that. This is one of the most generous churches uh, that I know of. Imaginations Church in Yuma, Imaginations Church all over the world. Generous givers, generous givers. So I'm not trying to say this because we're falling short, because let me tell you, we're not. But you know something? There's more ahead, but it doesn't just happen. I can come in this room. Let's go back to the thought of praise and worship. I can come in this room, and people can be just loving God and just praising and honoring God and just, you know, just the presence of God. I can come in, and I can sit here cross my arms and be thinking about what time is it. I wonder how long this is going to take. And people are getting blessed and, and God's pouring out his presence and things are happening. And I can get up and leave and people can say, what a great service. And you're thinking, yeah, it was about a, a 55 minute waste of time in my book because we have to engage. We have to engage. It's not about just being in the room. It's about being in the presence of the room talking about praise. It's the same thing with giving. You can be in the church that's great, great givers. I mean, the church just gives. We've planted churches all over the world, literally. We finance missionaries all over the world, literally. We do so many things, literally. 
in the city, literally. But you see, I can come in here and I can sit here and I cannot engage. I cannot become a part. And I can walk out of here and I can go, well, I don't really feel any. How come it's not pouring in to my life on every wave like the scripture says? Because we have to engage. Now, we're not going to receive an offering this morning because we've already talked about that. Now, obviously, we're giving online and all. But my point is this. It's not like an overnight success uh, proposition. It's about us understanding who God is. And so we're going to look at, at a few things this morning. And, and the, the few things we're going to look at this morning is there's actually three particular thoughts. The first one is this. We need to, if we can understand the living nature of money, the living nature of money. And you might go, money has a living nature? It absolutely does. It absolutely does. Money, and I've heard people say money's a tool. It's just a tool, and it's, you know, it takes on the nature of the person, you know, if they're, if they use it for good, if they use it for evil, if they use it for bad or whatever, selfishness. I believe that too. But money has an absolute nature. And if we can understand that there's a living nature in money, and so, uh, let me, let me read, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I don't even know if I put that on that list there, but let me read 2nd chapter, 2nd Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 and 11. It says, He who supplies seed to the sower for bread, and bread for, for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And you will be enriched in every way so that you being generous on every occasion, and through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. He's basically talking about seed here. He's correlating even the verse that we read a minute ago. He's talking about whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He's talking about money, but he's using it as an analogy like that money is like a seed. Money is a seed. What is the nature of a seed? If you plant it, it'll grow. The nature of a seed is you can do you can do several things with the seed. Number one, you can eat it, and it's done. It's gone. You can you can uh, take it and you can uh, you can you can give it away. You can sow it, or you can basically just put it in a box, and it's basically dormant. It won't do anything if you just kind of put it in a box. It won't do anything. Or you can plant it. You can plant it in an environment, and it will grow. And so you might say, well, I just put my money in a box. Okay, I get it. Well, all I have is enough to eat. I get it. Money to, to buy food, I get it. But the truth of the matter is, is if we can understand the nature of money, the nature of money, money put into the right environment, does, not all of it, not all of your money, but a portion of that money. If we can take a portion of that money and put it into an environment that God says to put it into, it will grow. It will. And, you know, we might be thinking, well, I don't have enough to sow. Then any farmer knows, any farmer, even if you just have a garden outside your house, when you put seed into the ground, you're putting it into the ground. When a farmer puts seed into a field, if you were to go up to a farmer and he's out there and he's planting seed and you say, hey, let's talk a minute. Hey, what are you doing? I'm just, I'm just, Throwing seed away, I'm just throwing seed away is all I'm doing right now. What do you mean? Well, I'm just putting it in the ground. That's not his attitude. His attitude is, is I'm sowing for the future. There's a harvest that's going to come. And if we can begin to understand it that way, you don't have to sow all of your money. 
But if we can sow a little bit of our money into the environment that God tells us to sow it into, God says it will come back to us. There will be a harvest. So the nature of money is like the nature of a seed is what he's saying. A seed has, it has characteristics. You can grind it up, make flour, and make yourself a tortilla and eat it, and it's gone. And it's all good because that's, I like tortillas, and, and I think we do need to use some of that seed to make some tortillas. Or you can take it and you can put it into a box, and it's dormant. It doesn't do anything because that's never been the environment that God wants us to just put the seed he gives us. Not to say that saving is not good. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that that is not, there's no increase unless you're putting it into a money market or something like that. But And you do get an increase on that. But the truth is the environment that God specifically talks to us about to do with the seed, the money that he gives to us is sow it. Sow it. If we will sow it, it'll come back. And you might say, I don't have enough to sow. Yeah, well, I think we have to maybe... Maybe we have to cut down a little bit on what we eat then maybe and sow it and allow God. Now, here's the thing. If you're thinking with your head, you're done already. If you're thinking with your head, well, I don't know how that's going to work. You're thinking here. But if you can think with your heart, if you can say, Lord, if that's what your word says, because the heart is where faith, faith grows. In your heart, faith begins to increase. In your heart. See, I heard a guy say one time that we have two brains. We have this brain and this brain. And when we think with this brain, we get in trouble. When we try to figure out God and God's plan and God's ability with this brain, we get in trouble. But if we can begin to think with our heart, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You know, we need to think with our heart because that's where God speaks right to heart. This is where faith is. Faith is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That's what the scripture says. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. Now, the thing is, is if it's not in our heart, we have to get in our heart. We have to get the word in our heart. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the first part, the best part, the best part of everything you produce. What's the best part? It's the first, it's the first part that comes out. It's the first part that comes up. So the Lord is basically saying, put me first. You know, God is a God of firsts. He wants us to honor him. This is the first day of the week. So here we are and we're loving Jesus. We're gathering, we're worshiping, we're singing, we're hearing the word, we're praying together, we're, we're joining together. First day of the week. This is the way to start the week together. We're giving the first day of the week to join together. God is a God of firsts. He requires first fruit. He requires us to give first to him. And when we can give first to him, according to this verse, honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the best part, the first part of everything you produce, he says, and then good luck. That's not what he says. He says, then. Everybody say, then. Then what? after you have honored the Lord with your wealth and with the best part, the first part of everything you produce, he says, then he, God, will fill your barns with grain. He'll fill, your, he'll fill you up. He'll, he'll put money in your path. He'll put money, resources. He'll put things in your life that you have need of. He says that then you're, uh, he will 
Uh, fill your barns with, with grain and your vats will overflow with new wine. That's, see, that's just, that's old time ter- terminology. We know that. But the bottom line is he's saying, I'm going to meet your need. I'm going to meet your need. That's what I'm going to do. But you see, here's where the problem is. If you're thinking with this, if you're thinking with your head right now, if you're thinking, listen, the game's getting ready to start. I got to get home pretty quick. If you're thinking with this right here, instead of taking just a few minutes this morning and saying, man, this is where I'm at, man. I, I wish I had increase. I wish I was able to bless. I wish I was able to be generous with things that you bring into my, I wish I could. That's this. Actually, that's this saying that because this is never going to be anything other than about me. It's about what I need, how I can operate, what I can do. I, I would like that because if I had that, I would buy this and I would do that. It was about me, 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 me. This is where God speaks to us about what he loves and about what he wants to do, how he wants to help others. And so understanding the living, everybody say the living nature of money. Nature's alive. I mean, money's alive. Money's alive. Money has a nature. It has a nature. But it takes on the nature of, of the person that handles it. And so what I want us to do is I want us to, to put ourselves in the position. And see, some of us are already giving. We give, we give, but we're giving out of just, yeah, it's the routine. This is what I do. I give. But God wants us to take some steps back and to say, God, I'm giving. I'm sowing. Not just giving, I'm sowing. I'm sowing. I'm sowing it into the kingdom. Rather than, I don't know, it just goes out. My wife writes to check. It just goes out automatically. You know, that's better than nothing. But the truth is, if we can begin to stop and to say, God, I am putting my resources into, into the kingdom. Now, there's other things. I don't think I'm going to get to the rest of these today. But this one here, I want us to stop and think about money has a nature. It's a living nature. We can take money, we can, we can take our seed, because he uses the analogy of seed. We can take it and we can eat it. We can just use it on ourselves. We just use it on ourselves. I buy what I want. I do what I want. I go out, I, I do this. And, and once it's done, it's like it's gone. Or we can put it in a dormant place where it just kind of sits there. I'm not doing anything with it. Nobody's going to touch this. This is what it is. I'm not against saving. I'm not against any of that. Or we can put it in a life a live place where it can grow. And you don't have to do a lot, but we have to do something. You know, you can, you can plow your fields all day long, and you can dig it up, and you can water it. You can do all the things you want. I heard this story. Uh, Bayless Connolly told this story in a, a book he wrote, and he said that uh, he, his little boy, I guess, was in school, a children's church, I mean, and he said, and he got in there, and he, planted uh actually they were doing the, the thing where they plant a seed in a little pot and they were teaching him about the power of a seed and how seeds work and he says i guess he brought a little pot home and you know there it was they're supposed to put it in the window and they're supposed to water it every few days and just so much water and said that he he uh was watching it and he was watching it and he says day after day he says and he's because he wants his son to be excited man look at that it's starting to grow man that's what god does that's how god works he said he watched it day after day after day week went by two weeks went by and he says he's thinking this is crazy what's going on i mean was it a was was it a dud was that seed a dud what happened 
So he said when he wasn't, when his son wasn't home, he took it and he poured it out and he sifted through. He says there wasn't a seed in the pot. I want you to know, we can plow, we can dig, we can water, we can do all the things, we can watch it, but until we put a seed in the ground, nothing happens. Generosity begins with a seed. It begins with the seed, us sowing a seed into something that God will multiply and increase. So this morning, the only thought I want us to grab a hold of this morning is this, that we have to begin to understand the living nature of money. It's alive. It's alive. But you can take something alive and you can put it in a box and just leave it alone. And let me tell you what it'll do. Nothing. You go back, it hasn't grown. It hasn't done anything. It's just like it is. Or you can take it and you can go spend it. Have you ever ever gotten money, somebody gives you some money, and you spend it five times in your mind? I'm going to do this. and No, I think I'm going to do that. No, I'm going to go do this. And at the end of the day, you're thinking, I can't wait till that comes and that comes. Wait a minute, I can't do all that. You only get to spend it once, but you can sow it and it will reproduce and continue to come into our life. It doesn't take a lot, but it takes an act of willingness to engage because this is a life-giving principle. It's a life-giving principle. Let me read one last verse and then I want to pray. This is Luke chapter 6, verse 38. He says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. If I'm measuring out nothing, I can expect nothing back. I have to give to get it back. As a matter of fact, there have been times in my life where the Lord said, what are you expecting? Oh, God, I'm expecting a blessing. Maybe it's not a, a literal conversation, but it's a thought. And then I stop and think, you know what? I have sown nothing specifically in a particular area or in that direction ever. Why would I expect anything back? So you know what? Given it will be given back. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It will be poured into your lap. With the same measure that you use. Measure means I'm going to give a handful. It'll come back to you, but it'll come back to you in multiples. Let's pray.